I, Clarendon. The Ticket. It's time for The Setup, the fastest hour in sports talk here on The Ticket. Here are your hosts, Cade Carlton and Andrew Bowen. All right, welcome in. Monday edition of The Setup. Monday, August 30th, 2021. Cade Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here. 95.3 FM, The Ticket. 96.9, The Ticket. 9.70 AM, KNEA. 953theticket.com. Tune in at by searching for King and EA. Also on social media on Twitter at 953theticket. Facebook.com slash 953theticket. We made it to week two of the program and we made it to game week here in Jonesboro as we are five days away from kickoff of the 2021 A-State football season. We had week zero in college football that went on a couple of days ago, so uh, we'll talk about week zero on the program. We'll uh, mention just the wild craziness of the BMW Championship yesterday afternoon. Uh, We'll start looking a little bit at uh, A-State and UCA. Uh, that and much more coming up on the program today. But first, we'll throw it across the way to Andrew Bowen, who has some headlines. Thank you, Cade. Brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. Game week is here for Arkansas fo- Arkansas State football. Excuse me. Head coach Butch Jones and the Red Wolves look to improve on last year's four and seven record. They have several position battles going on, most notably the quarterback battle between Lane Hatcher and Florida State transfer James Blackman. Saturday's kickoff at Centennial Bank Stadium against Central Arkansas is at 6 p.m. And I'm excited, Cade. I don't know about you, but I am pumped. Well, your first like A-State game day weekend. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Can't yeah, wait to see what I'm, the Red Wolves are going to do. I'm just excited to be at a, a college football game again that's going to feel like a college football game. Exactly, exactly. Moving on to the University of Arkansas, they continue to prepare for their season opener Saturday against Rice. Coach Sam Pittman is entering the year two with the program and looking to start the season strong after a four-game slide ended the 2020 season. Saturday's kickoff at Reynolds Razorback Stadium is at 1 p.m. Moving on to the St. Louis Cardinals, they split the four-game series with the Pirates after their loss on Sunday 4-3. Pittsburgh won it with a walk-off home run by Yoshi Sugo. I I can't ever say that name right, but (laughs) the Cardinals begin a series at Cincinnati tonight at 5.40 p.m. on 95.9 The Wolf. Disappointing end to that series with the the walk-off homer by Yoshi, but what a hit. I watched it today, and what a hit. Yeah, it's... uh... Thankfully, the Pirates, or not the Pirates, the Reds and the Padres did not have a great weekend. So the Cardinals are still like two and a half back of that final wild card spot. So playoff hopes are still there, but even yeah. as slim as they are, they're still there. Yeah, tough month of September upcoming. Definitely. Moving on to some college football. Uh, Nebraska loses their first game of the season to Illinois, 30-22. to Scott Frost is currently on the hot seat as he has struggled to win since being hired as head coach of the Cornhuskers. They play Fordham in their next game on Saturday. And they also play Oklahoma later this season. So I don't know how... I think this set a really bad tone for the beginning of the Cornhusker season. But we're going to talk more about that later in the show. 
And this has been your headlines brought to you by Plaza Tire Service. Back to Cade. Thank you. Uh, we're not talk about it later in the show. We'll talk about it now. All right. Uh, all right. College football went on this weekend. It was a limited slate, uh, obviously, on Saturday. Uh, you had four games plus the FCS game that Saturday night on ESPN. Uh, or I guess five games in the FBS. Uh, four of those five were blowouts and really weren't interesting I thought UCLA-Hawaii would be an interesting game, and honestly, by the time Nebraska-Illinois got over, that one was over, and there was no reason to watch, and then every other game was just kind of a blowout. So, really, your only true, like, interesting game was Nebraska and Illinois, and even it got to a point in the fourth quarter where Illinois is up a couple of touchdowns, and it's like, well, this one's over, and... Then Nebraska scores, and they make it an interesting game, and it kind of comes down to the last couple of minutes or so before the game's truly decided. And it wound up being, like, a decent game. The first half was kind of brutal. Oh, it was super brutal. Because, I mean, you bad. start out 2 nothing, and then it was, like, what, like 9-2? to two? It were 6-2 to two at one point or something like that. The yeah. score was just kind of crazy throughout. It was, I think it was 9-2, to two, and then – yeah. Uh, yeah, and then they tied it up, and then I remember Nebraska was driving down the field, starting to have a really good drive. You know, I was like, "Oh, maybe they're putting it together." And then Adrian Martinez fumbles, and they yeah. return it for a touchdown. So we'll we'll kind of start with that game uh, because it was the most interesting game in the college football slate this weekend, and mm-hmm. um, I I wound up watching I think every minute of that game on Saturday. And my initial thoughts were, like in the first quarter, first quarter and a half, that Nebraska has a really good defensive front. Like, they were creating havoc. It looked like Illinois really couldn't get anything going offensively. Uh, you know, Illinois was – they were up 2 nothing there in the first – after the first quarter of play after the safety, but really generated nothing offensively. And really kind of even into the first part of the second quarter. And then it kind of turned into this deal where – all right, Brett Bielema is just out-coaching Scott Frost. Because I truly believe 100%. Nebraska has better athletes than Illinois. I agree as well. But Illinois' running back, uh, Epstein, yes, dude was turning it on. I've, I Apparently he's a veteran. I had not heard of him until that game. But he, he was killing it. He yeah. was definitely their whole offense. I mean, their starting quarterback got hurt like a quarter in, so – Really did hurt their offense, but it did. Yeah, it did. It, it, that was that was a big. Yeah, but with what you were saying about out coaching, I mean, Illinois' head coach is a very good coach, Brett Bielema. Yeah, it was it was surprising to see Scott Frost. I don't know. I've never seen him that. I want to say flustered. He looked flustered out there, and the I would say looked, he looked lost. Yeah, I mean, lost too. They they just didn't look like they knew what they were doing, and it looked like their first game back, like they're practicing. That's what it felt like. Like the team yeah. had not been preparing for this game, but you know they had. So that's the well. There was no outside of Adrian Martinez. There was no run game established. Exactly. Adrian Martinez was not very accurate through the air, which has been the case literally all four. Now starting his fourth year at Nebraska, it's been the case every year he's been at Nebraska. He's not a very accurate passer. Right. He can scramble, but he's not a very accurate passer. So it kind of brings the question of. How long does Scott Frost last at Nebraska? Because it came out earlier today, and his 
uh, Monday media availability press conference. Uh, he had a very interesting quote in his media availability when he said about half of our game plan was out the window when they lined up how they did. Yeah. Well, like, Brett Bielema ran it even front. Brett Bielema runs even front. It's like, what do you mean your <laughs> game plan was out the window? Yeah. That's what he's... It's, he, I think he said he was maybe going to run an odd front going into the game, but it looked like every other Brett Bielema defense ever. It just... That's a bad look for Scott. It's a very, sure. very bad look. On the flip side, I think... And I know he didn't work in the SEC. He didn't work at Arkansas because it's... The SEC is an entirely different beast than any other Power 5 conference. 100%. 100%. But I think Brett Bielema could be a 7-8 win a year head coach at Illinois, and that would be good enough for that program. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you're you going to have to recruit probably three-star guys that are maybe your occasional four-star, that are four-year guys that you develop throughout your program. By the time they're juniors or seniors – they are really good. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of your model for success at a program like Illinois. Well, a perfect example is the running back. Yeah, he's very good in his. I think he's a senior now, senior or junior. Either way, he's a veteran. And uh, yeah, that's a perfect example of that system working. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they progress throughout the season. But um, with that quarterback and that shoulder injury during the game, did take a big blow to their offense because you could tell that second quarterback was not super comfortable. But yeah. Um, like you said, he's a, the quarterback that came in was a sophomore, so he's a young guy. Where there's a lot of veterans on this team, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, good showing for Illinois, my opinion. On the and we'll kind of bounce around through some other games before we get to a timeout. But uh, the UCLA game was interesting. Um, I think Hawaii maybe is a little bit worse than we thought they might be. Uh, Chevron Cordero, the quarterback, uh, threw two picks, was not very accurate through the air. Uh, Hawaii really could not establish a run game at all. And then on the flip side, UCLA rushed for nearly 250 yards. Still, I guess, a little question mark around the quarterback play. I mean, they only threw it 20 times. But UCLA put up 44 points. Their defense was very dominant throughout the course of the game. They showed the ability to run the ball, and it sets up a very interesting game this weekend between UCLA and LSU. Definitely, because LSU is getting all of this praise of like, "Hey, I know they were ba- they weren't great last year, but <laughs> LSU's back this year." Yeah, we'll see about that. Well, I mean, I, UCLA could be a legitimate Pac-12 contender. I know it's Hawaii. I, yeah, but, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I didn't expect this big of a blowout from UCLA because. Going into this game, I mean, I didn't really know much about Hawaii as a whole team, but UCLA, I kind of knew they'd been struggling, wasn't like the front runner in this game. I thought it was going to be a close game, but once I saw the score, I was kind of like, okay, you know, that changes my thoughts on UCLA for sure. Yeah. And uh, especially with Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback, I kind of forgot he's still there, but he uh, he's a solid quarterback. I remember he was in the Elite Eight. I mean, he's... He's a solid quarterback, solid guy to have behind your offensive line. But yeah, but I mean, they like that's the thing. That there's a little bit of a question mark there because they didn't ask him to throw the ball. Right. Yeah, I mean, he, he threw 20 times. So when you get in that situation where you have to throw the ball and you can't rely on your running game, like how good of a team are you going to be? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's my big question mark. What's crazy is they scored. They won 44 to 10, and in the fourth quarter, no one scored any points. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it was over wild. by the end of the first quarter. <laughs> it was over before the end of the first quarter, oh, for being honest. Definitely. Uh, let's see. Uh, poor UConn. They still have to play Clemson this year in November. Uh, they got beat by Fresno State team, forty-five nothing. <laughs> Fresno State's probably a five and seven, six and six type team, and they yeah. UConn is bad. I feel bad for him. I want to give a, a quick shout out to the quarterback of Fresno State because he's from my hometown, and I went to middle school with him. Oh, Jake okay. Hayner okay. uh, had a pretty solid game: twenty for twenty-six, three hundred yards, three touchdowns. Pretty solid, but yeah, like you said, Fresno State's kind of that middle ground team. Um, but they put on a show. I mean. It's UConn, so it's not hard, but yeah. 45-0 to zero is still impressive no matter how good of a team you are. Uh, and then the last game Saturday night was San Jose State and Southern Utah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch a whole lot of this. Uh, I didn't watch it. I missed it. Nick Starkle threw for almost 400 yards. Stark after dark? I, yeah. I, I don't know if San Jose State's like really good. I think the USC game this weekend is going to be interesting. USC and San Jose State. I mean, well, if they, they beat, if they beat USC, then I think they're really good. Yes, I agree. Um uh, I think you'll be able to tell a lot more about them after this weekend than you would against a team named Southern Utah. I'm I'm always rooting for the underdog, so I'm kind of hoping San Jose State just becomes this really, really good team this year, and I'm I'm all for it. Outside of the games, I think the two coolest things on Saturday uh, was seeing Lee Corso back on college game day. They did the whole tribute to him where – they had the coaches, you know, a bunch of coaches were on this like video presentation that they did in college game day and they welcomed Corso back and you know, he did he didn't do a headgear pick, he did a helmet pick and so it was cool to see him back, but I think the coolest part was you know, most of these games you didn't have a lot of fans, especially the UCLA game, but the Nebraska Illinois game, it seemed to be that it was probably 90% packed of Illinois. And that was very cool. We haven't seen a full college football stadium like that in two years. Yeah, right. So it was it was cool to see that for the first time and just remember what a I mean, we've seen it in basketball, we've seen it in baseball now, but really haven't seen it in football. So it's right. kind of cool to it see set, that and remember what it looked like. You it know? set the tone for the whole season. It did. Which I love. It did. All right, so that's college football this weekend. Uh We're going to talk a lot of college football on the show throughout the week as week one gets underway on Saturday. Uh, We'll come back. We'll mix in a little bit of baseball. We'll talk about the craziness that was the BMW championship yesterday. And then uh, later on in the program, we're going to start looking at some position previews of both A-State and UCA. We're going to start with UCA today and kind of work our way through uh, the A-State and UCA offenses and defenses throughout the course of the week. So uh, we'll have that coming up on the program later on as well. But right now, we're going to step aside for our first time out. Back after this here on The Ticket. We're not ready to go to the closer just yet. Stick around. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Stoltz. And Brad Bobo. So everybody seems to have a podcast these days. And, well, we've decided to join the party. Starting in August, we'll release a new episode every Tuesday. Of course, we'll talk about what's going on with the Red Wolves, but we'll also be able to talk about some things we might not always get to. That's right. We'll have interviews, behind-the-scenes info, tell plenty of stories, and have a whole lot of fun as we talk about everything A-State. It's the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. 
Hey y'all, this is Matthew Cox with Cox Implement. Come on, Northeast Arkansas. If you need a tractor, I've got fresh inventory of Massey Ferguson compact and utility tractors arriving daily. Knock out those summer projects today with no money down and 0% interest for seven years. Don't wait. Heck, we'll even bring it to you and fill it up with diesel. Come see us at any of our three locations in Hoxie, Highland, or Jonesboro and check us out online at coximplement.com. Cox Implement, equipment you can count on, people you can trust. It's John G. for George Kale Motors in Newport. Have you ever been to a car dealership and a salesperson chases you around like you stole something? At George Kale Motors, we won't chase you around or lie in front of your car to make you stop. But we will try to do everything we can to make you comfortable and enjoy your shopping experience. We offer great selection, great prices, and exceptional service after the sale. View our entire inventory at georgekalemotors.com or come see us at Newport. Off Highway 67, Exit 85, GMC and George Kale Motors, we are professional grade. What's your favorite place in the natural state? Show us. Enter Farmers and Merchants Bank's My Favorite Place in the Natural State photo contest, and you could win one of three big gift baskets packed full of Arkansas-made products. Enter through midnight September 19th at 953theticket.com or our Facebook page. Enter the My Favorite Place in the Natural State photo contest with three gift baskets awarded full of great products made in Arkansas. Brought to you by 95.3 The Ticket and Farmers and Merchants Bank. Member FDIC. Football is here, and this promises to be the biggest high school season ever here at the EAB Sports Network. Here's the rundown. Catch Jonesboro Golden Hurricane football on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. The Nettleson Raiders are on 94.1 Bob FM, while the Valley View Blazers can be heard on 101.3 News Talk KBTM. And this year, we welcome Brooklyn to the EAB family, with every Bearcats game airing on 101.7 KISS FM. Then once the games go final, you can tune into The Ticket for the Cavanaugh Auto Group's Friday Night Lights High School Scoreboard Show. To get all the final scores, plus hear from coaches and broadcasters around the area. It's just one more way the EAB Sports Network is bringing local action to area fans. Our high school football coverage is brought to you by First National Bank, EDA Baptist Hospital, Real Estate Nate, Jonesboro Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and St. Bernard's. From pregame coverage at 6.30 right through the final scores, we've got you covered. Don't miss high school football action each Friday night right here on this EAB Sports Network station. We're always rooting for overtime round here. Now let's get back to the setup. All right, welcome back here on a Monday setup on the ticket. Kate and Andrew with you for about oh, 40 more minutes or so here on the program. Glad you're with us here on this Monday. Glad you were tuned in Friday night across our stations for some high school football coverage. Had four good broadcasts on Friday night. Ended it with the Friday Night Lights scoreboard show here on the ticket. So uh, excited to get uh, high school football underway. It was a great night Friday night. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll do it all again this Friday night. As we'll key you in on that schedule as we get closer to kickoff on Friday night's games here across the EAB Sports Network. All right, it's it's football season. We're in the midst of college football uh, really kicking into full gear this weekend. Obviously, high school football kicked off last weekend, but uh, there's no NFL right now, which means the Sundays, unless you're watching baseball, are kind of vacant on the uh, sports calendar, per se. But yesterday... Uh, very, 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 very interesting finish to the BMW Championship. 
And even if you don't like golf, I mean, it was a phenomenal close to the BMW Championship. Six-hole playoff, the longest playoff of the year between Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Cantlay. Uh, if you were if you were watching the back nine, that's when it really kind of got started on hole 14. Uh, DeChambeau was in the fairway about to hit his second shot. And Patrick Cantlay had already hit his second shot. He was walking behind DeChambeau. DeChambeau was kind of in mid-back swing, paused, put his club down, and looked over at Patrick Cantlay and was like, hey, can you stop walking during DeChambeau's back swing? And it kind of became personal from then uh, as Patrick Cantlay battled back, took it to a playoff, uh, and just made so many huge putts. I mean, just... Putt after putt after putt. Every time DeChambeau zigged, he zagged. I mean, he answered right back to everything DeChambeau did. Uh, I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, it was that. it's it was one of the best putting displays all year. You know, he makes the long 30-foot putt, I think, on 17 uh, when they were in the playoff. Uh, and so it wound up being one of the best golf tournaments of the year. Uh, DeChambeau... Had a couple of good looks at par uh, in one of the playoff holes. You know, Patrick Cantlay was putting for par. DeChambeau was chipping for birdie and had a chance to really get it up close and win. And, you know, if he chips it up close, Cantlay's still got 15 feet for par. It's not guaranteed he makes it. And DeChambeau flubs it. And they both wind up bogeying the hole. So, I mean, it was it was a wild tournament from start to finish. So, uh, what that means is now heading into the Tour Championship this week in Atlanta. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is now number one. So, he'll, shot, he'll start at 10 under, have that two-stroke advantage. Uh, Tony Finau is in second at 8 under. And then Bryson DeChambeau uh, is third. And I believe he'll start at uh, 7 under in that tournament. So, uh, Tour Championship going on this weekend down in Atlanta. But that was... It, uh, it sounds like Cantley had a Michael Jordan moment and said, I took that personally and just... He did, it yeah. Went off. He did. I mean, it was it was it was incredible to watch. I would recommend at least watching the highlights of it, uh, if you weren't able to watch it yesterday, because it was it was a very uh, good uh, sporting event yesterday uh, afternoon. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a state UCA in the next segment. Uh, we're going to start uh, and look at. Some unit previews. We're going to start first with the UCA offense today. We'll look at the A-State offense tomorrow. Uh, we'll touch on the UCA defense and special teams on Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk A-State defense and special teams on Thursday. Uh, and then we'll kind of make our game predictions on the show Friday, um, later on in the program on Friday. So uh, that's coming up in our uh, third segment of the program here momentarily. But all right, we'll, we'll kind of go over this again because it was one of the most interesting storylines of the sports weekend. And, and not necessarily because, I guess a little bit because of the game and how the game turned out, but uh, ESPN kind of got catfished this weekend. As Uh-oh. And we talked about it a little bit on the Workday Red Zone, but... ESPN kind of got catfished this weekend and got duked into broadcasting a team that is really terrible. <laughs> so on Sunday, 
they're broadcasting IMG Academy. IMG Academy is known for having, you know, all these D1 kids. I mean, they have players in the NFL, MLB, NBA. I mean, you name it. There, There are a ton of elite athletes that have come through IMG Academy. They're top five, top ten every year in high school football. So what ESPN does in week zero when there's not a whole lot of college football games is that they'll go heavy on high school football. So you'll see high school football Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on ESPN. Well, uh, IMG Academy was playing Bishop Sycamore out of Ohio, which, according to the school, had multiple D1 prospects on this year's team and had multiple players inside the Ohio like top 50. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be this great matchup on ESPN. Except for the fact IMG Academy was up 30 to nothing in the second quarter of play. Oh wow. And the ESPN announcers began going into like a tirade against their own network because what happened was Bishop Sycamore is an online school that is in their second year of playing football with no Division One prospects on the roster. They went zero and six, or excuse me, they went zero and eight last year. They played a game on Friday night, lost, and then turned around and played on Sunday against IMG Academy on ESPN and got beat fifty to nothing. Wow! So, whoever was in charge of that, I guess, looked up the wrong school. No, Bishop Sycamore sent the information to whatever the company oh, is that schedules these okay. matchups for ESPN. They I sent the information. We're like, hey, we have five or six Division One players on our roster. You know, we have all these kids in the Ohio top fifty, and they wind up getting beat fifty to nothing on national television, and they have nothing close to resembling Division One talent on their wow, roster. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. ESPN got scammed. Yes. 100%. Wow. So the the announcers on the actual broadcast started tirading against ESPN. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's turned into this whole – so it's uh, Paragon Marketing Group is the one that schedules these high school matchups for ESPN. Yeah, they just messed up big time. Yes. Someone's getting fired. Well, and not even that. Like, the, the whole thing to take out of this story – Yes, you know, the school went out of their way to get this game on national television and put their players at an unfair advantage and probably, honestly, like a a health and safety advantage if they are that much inferior to IMG. But also, like, the thing that's not getting talked about is they played on Friday, had one day of rest, and turned around and played this game on Sunday on ESPN. Yeah, that's not good. It's not good. I don't care how good or bad you are. That's not smart. So... I would venture to guess this is the story that's not going to stop here, and there's going to be a lot of people that face consequences. Consequences, yeah, yes, definitely. for for what went on this weekend. So, wow, it's a very uh, interesting story uh, to keep an eye on. All right, we're going to get to uh, we're going to look back at the weekend, uh, do some right or wrong. Uh, we'll do that in the next segment. Uh, close out the show, and we'll start our uh, unit previews uh, for A State and UCA. That's coming up after this on the ticket.
Kara's icing down. Bobo's in the pen. But Kate and Andrew are dealing. The setup continues right after this on The Ticket. We're not playing second fiddle to Memphis and Little Rock anymore. Jonesboro is the car capital of the Mid-South, and Central Nissan is leading the way. Central Nissan has new inventory arriving daily. Check out the new 2022 redesigned Nissan Pathfinder. Plus, Central Nissan has a huge selection of pre-owned inventory with great financing, low APR, and extended terms. Central Nissan, home of meter beat pricing. Corner of Parker and Stadium in Jonesboro or online at centralnissan.net. With approved credit, see dealer for details. Experience meets innovation at First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas. After more than 135 years of servicing our East Arkansas communities, we are the region's largest independently owned bank. First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas continues to invest in new products and services to best serve all our banking customers. This year, we've rolled out mobile pay technology, enabled mobile depositing from wherever you are, and a new Roundup savings feature to help you take charge of your savings. Come and see what's new at First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas, member FDIC. I've been a farmer all my life, and I know how important it is that we never miss a season. So let's vaccinate Arkansas to stop COVID-19. It's safe, effective, and rigorously tested. Do it for yourself, for your family, and for Arkansas. This is our best shot to get to the other side of the pandemic. Save lives. Get your vaccination. Learn more at healthy.arkansas.gov. This message brought to you by the Arkansas Department of Health. For years, Cabs Plus has been in the business of helping your business grow. But now they invite you to see how they've grown, too. Come see Cabs Plus in their new location at 1211 Carroll Road in Paragool, complete with a new retail shop. Cabs Plus is a licensed A-State vendor and offers Red Wolf's apparel and maybe some throwback stuff, too. They also have a wide selection of apparel from local high schools. And Cabs Plus still has thousands of promotional items just right for your business logo. Go buy Cabs Plus now at 1211 Carroll Road in Paragool or online at CabsPlusInc.com. Red Wolves fans, it's football time in Jonesboro, and we can't wait to see you pack the vault for six home games this fall. Hatcher throws for Perry in the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown, Lincoln Parrot. And the Red Wolves regain the advantage. Reserve your seats today. Visit astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket is adding another hour of local programming. Hey, this is Cade Carlton. Starting August 23rd, join me and Andrew Bowen every weekday from 2 to 3 right here on The Ticket for our newest show, The Setup. We'll talk all things A-State, college sports, professional sports, and whatever else the topic of the day might be. And we'll interview a wide variety of guests from local and national levels. It's The Setup, weekdays 2 to 3 right here on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. It's the quickest hour in sports talk that was fast now back to the setup on the ticket all right welcome back halfway home on a monday afternoon here on the setup kate carlton andrew bowen with you as we'll talk some college football I'm going to look at where we were right and wrong on the weekend. Uh, we're going to start our uh, unit previews and start first with the UCA offense today ahead of A-State and UCA kicking off at 6 o'clock Saturday evening at Centennial Bank Stadium, a game you can hear over on 107.9 K-Fine. Uh, but some interesting stuff came out earlier today on CBSSports.com. 
in their NCAA football section. Uh, Barrett Salee had some interesting picks today. You can hear Barrett tomorrow at 4.15 on the drive. But uh, CBS Sports did their college football playoff predictions. He is one of two analysts on this CBS Sports staff that does not have Alabama pick for the playoff. And he does not even have Alabama as one of the first two out. He has Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. So, it's very wow. interesting. Now, everyone else has Alabama in the playoff, except for him and one other picker. So, But that was interesting. The Alabama is nowhere uh, in sight on that. Uh, that is interesting. Th- there, There is some different flavor, like in the national championship conversation. Uh, Ohio State's picked. Uh, Georgia's picked. Oklahoma's picked. It's not just Alabama across the board this year, uh, which is – Interesting in that national championship conversation. Uh, I, their favorite for the Heisman Trophy was Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma, which I think is everyone's favorite for the Heisman yeah. Trophy. They also threw yeah. Chris Olav, the wide receiver at Ohio State, and JT Daniels, the quarterback out of Georgia, in that uh, Heisman Trophy conversation as well. Uh, so I don't love the Georgia pick. Not Not huge on that. I don't know. It'll For be- the national, yeah, Georgia's getting a lot of love, and it's it's uh, it's weird. They're, they're I'm not used to it. <laughs> this is kind of like everyone's kind of like this is the year where they're going to get Bama, and maybe they do. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they do, but it just I don't know. It feels like this is kind of the same routine we go through every year. I feel like it's because we talk about this a lot with college teams. I feel like there's so much brand recognition yes. when it comes to these rankings, and it's kind of absurd sometimes. I mean. Ohio State being picked that high on most of those guys' lists. Here's my thing. You have one of the youngest quarterback cores in the country. I mean, yes, we talked about all it. All freshmen, pretty much. Yeah. So, I don't – I get you have a really good running back. You have Olaf at a – or Olaf, sorry, at a wide receiver who's really good. Their defense is good. But the whole team is going to revolve around that quarterback. Uh, they're a very pass-heavy offense. I don't know. It's – it's interesting, to say the least, that so many people have so much faith in Ohio State already. We haven't even seen the ball snapped yet, and yeah. that's just wild to me. Georgia is more wild. Ohio State, I understand a little more, but Georgia, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's blowing my mind a little bit. I do find it interesting in their most underrated teams, which, I mean, around here, we don't really have any reason to care about the Pac-12, but obviously UCLA is trending up after what they did to Hawaii, and many are like, Okay, is this a Pac-12? You know, is this a team that can play in the Pac-12 championship game? Oregon, USC, and Utah are all on the most underrated teams list, which kind of makes me think the Pac-12 may be a force to you know kind of after dark. Is it time? Yeah, is it, it might be. A, they might be a force to get in the playoff. I mean, I, I we saw like... Oregon get in the playoff, but I believe that's the only Oregon and Washington, Washington the only yeah. two Pac-12 teams to have ever gotten in the playoff. Um, Colorado's pretty solid out there in Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, it's it's weird because Utah is always this team that's either really good, but at the bottom of the rankings every year, or has like a decent season and doesn't get ranked at all. So it's this weird fluctuating team. But for once, I'm going to agree with a Pac-12 team being underrated, and I think it is Utah. Utah's had a solid program every year. From what I've seen going into this season, I think they'll be one of the contenders in the Pac-12. 
Um, I personally think Oregon's a little overrated. Yeah. But we'll see. Pac-12 is interesting because it's I, – I would argue it's one of the more unpredictable conferences out of the Power Five because there's so much going on. Um, and not a lot of people shed a lot of light on it because people consider it not a power conference and everything, which, you know, neither here nor there. But yeah. we'll see. So uh, You can find that on CBS Sports College Football. Uh, so some interesting stuff uh, coming out of there. All right, we'll get into uh, right or wrong. Every Monday – uh, we'll dive into this segment. We're going to have uh, the Railbird on on Friday. So he'll give us his picks. We'll kind of dive into some of our picks from the weekend. And honestly, it was not a great first weekend. Uh, we, I think we were all right about Nick Starkle covering and looking good in the process of it. I mean, you hyped him up. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> threw for almost 400 yards. I think it, it was, was. I think it was solely because of you. Like, I, I, I think, think so. heard it. I think so. He threw for over 400 yards, and it was great. And they easily won the game, just like we said they were going to. Nick Stark after dark and Pac-12 after dark. Yep. All coming back. UTEP easily beat New Mexico State this weekend, which, I mean, it. you look back at New Mexico State's schedule last year, and it doesn't take you very long to figure out that they lost to an FCS team and were like a touch, won by a touchdown over an FCS team. They lost to Tarleton State and beat Dixie State. In the spring, and they barely beat Dixie State, so it didn't take you long to figure out that hey, maybe this team's not good. Right. I mean, like Laying Women said on Friday. Yes. Completely gave us the whole rundown. So, so those two we were right on. Uh, Lang and I both agreed on two other things that we were wrong on on Friday's program. It's like the quote. It's like the quote from uh, Animal House. You messed up. You, you trusted, trusted us. Him, yeah. <laughs> that's that's how I feel about Scott Frost. You messed up. You trusted him. <laughs> Why would I ever put trust in Scott Frost? Why? I don't, I don't know, man. I, I every, every instinct I had told me to go Illinois in that game, just out of principle, because Nebraska has never been good under Scott Frost. And yeah. Brett Bielema is a good Big Ten coach. What I'll say is it purely came down to, one, brand recognition, I think, a little bit. And two, I think Nebraska was the safe pick. Yes, because you haven't seen this Illinois offense. Well, I mean, it was a it was only a touchdown game, so it, like it wasn't a pick 'em, but it was kind of yeah. up in the air, yeah. you know. Yeah, you don't know a whole lot. Well, I guarantee Nebraska won't be favored much anymore. Lesson learned: Don't trust Scott Frost. Lesson learned as well: Never bet Hawaii on the road. That game was over. <laughs> that game was over like halfway through the first quarter. <laughs> I actually got a uh, like I had stopped watching the game and. I was just kind of hanging out with some friends, and then I get a text from Jerry Scott and the SID over at A State. It's like, "Hey, I don't think Hawaii is going to cover." It's like, "Yeah, I don't think they are either." <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good <laughs> insight right there. <laughs> so, anyways, there's your right or wrong from the weekend. Uh, wasn't a whole wasn't just a great college football slate. It was a college football slate. It was nice to get some games back. But this weekend is where we really get into the teeth of college football as week one starts. Uh, A-State and UCA play at 6 o'clock at Centennial Bank Stadium on Saturday night. So, uh, we'll, we won't even take a break. We'll just we'll kind of go into it. Uh, all, right. all right. So, here's what we're going to do this week. And we'll try and keep this a weekly deal during... A-State games, especially the Saturday games, because we can kind of space it out throughout the week and dedicate uh, a few minutes to it each show. 
Right. Uh, so today we're going to look at the UCA offense. Tomorrow we're going to look at the A-State offense. And I say we're going to do that tomorrow because Butch Jones' press conference is tomorrow at 2.30. And so maybe by then we'll have a depth chart and be able to kind of pencil in some starters and have an idea of who's going to be on the field in the first drive on and Saturday we'll night. answer the burning question of who's going to be a quarterback. Well, I still don't think that question's going to be answered. But I do think a lot of other questions will be answered by the first it'll depth be, chart. It'll be more answered. Yes, I think it's going to list Lane Hatcher or James Blackman on the depth chart. That's that's what I believe. <laughs> that would be the ultimate move right there. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to look at uh, the UCA defense and kind of what they returned from last year. Thursday, we'll look at the A-State defense. And then Friday, uh, we'll go in and uh, look at what uh, what the lines are like, what everyone's saying about this game, and then uh, make our predictions as well. So we'll uh, we'll start first with the UCA offense today. Uh, this is the team that obviously was at Centennial Bank Stadium last year because UCA did the deal last year where like the FCS played in the spring, but UCA was like, nah, we're playing in the fall. <laughs> and so they wound up scheduling like nine or ten games in the fall and then didn't play in the spring in the FCS. So they wound up getting like a normal schedule in, and one of those games was in the rain at Arkansas State in the middle of October. Uh, and one guy you might remember is Braylon Smith. Uh, he threw for over 1,800 yards last year, had 19 touchdowns, and threw for 302 yards against A-State last season and also had you know a pretty good rushing day as well. He actually led the team in rushing in that game against A-State last year. So wow. kind of did it all, uh, was on one of the all-Southland Conference teams uh, and is probably – the he's probably got to be the pick for preseason player of the year offensive player of the year in the Southland Conference you would think uh so he's going to return a quarterback that's very interesting because walked away impressed with him last year uh the running back situation is interesting at UCA because uh and I think a lot of A-State fans will remember this name in Cameron Myers. Uh, we saw him ter- return a couple of kickoffs a season ago. But uh, it, there's a lot of new young faces at running back for UCA. They're going to have two or three different sophomore, freshman-level guys at running back. Uh, and so that's going to be interesting to see if that is a weak point in the UCA offense because uh, obviously last year like it was – it was a lot of throwing against A-State, but they were still able to establish the run a little bit. So uh, that's their running back situation. The wide receiver situation, if pretty much if they made a catch in the A-State game last year, they're pretty much back. Their top three receivers from the A-State game <laughs> a year ago are back. Uh, Tyler Hudson, who went for 154 yards in the A-State game last year, wow. is back. That's That's a big game. He was the Southland Offensive Player of the Year last year. Wow. Rightfully so. Yeah. Led the team in receiving yards, was by far their best receiver. Uh, LaJuan Winningham, who almost went for 100 yards. He was at 93 yards, but he had three receiving touchdowns in the A-State game last year. He was was the big red zone guy. When they got in the red zone, throw it to him. Uh, He also returns at receiver, and then... Mitchell Perkinson, who had 62 receiving yards in Jonesboro last year, returned. So their top three receivers from a year ago in that A-State game all returned. Seems like their offense is just super high-powered. It is. It is. I mean, they 
I mean, A-State wound up pulling away and winning that game by, I think, three touchdowns last year. But, like, UCA scored. Like, UCA wasn't bad. Like, UCA put up points in that game last year. Uh, the final was 50-27 to 27, uh, in that high, game last that's year. That's a high-scoring game. Yeah, and uh, I mean it was it was a pretty close game at half. It was uh, twenty two to thirteen at the half, uh, and then A State used a twenty point third quarter to pull away in that game. But pretty much everyone except for the running back position, from a skill standpoint, returned on offense. Uh, they have an all conference tight end that returns, and then the big question mark with UCA and where you really hope to see what we hope is a new and improved A-State defense kind of exploit is the offensive line because uh, they only returned two starters on the offensive line, uh, including an all-conference center from a year ago. So really everyone on that offensive line is going to be a new face from the last time A-State and UCA played. Uh, so pretty be much be interesting to see how that affects the uh, run game. All yeah, guys. well, I mean, you have young guys at running back, you have young guys on the offensive line, so it'll be interesting to see if they can establish the run game, because really, right. if you get to a point where you're one-dimensional, then how good is right. Raylan Smith going to be when the defense is keying in to stop the pass? Exactly. I mean, we talked about it a couple shows ago. whole point of an offense is to be two-dimensional. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of a lot of depth, a lot of returners at the skill positions, but not a lot of returners on the offensive line. So, the A-State defense is going to have a chance to make some plays. Uh, again, that's a Saturday night, 6 o'clock, Centennial Bank Stadium. You can hear it all on 107.9 K-Fine, uh, and we'll continue kind of previewing both teams throughout the course of the week here on the program. We'll come back, close, the, close a Monday setup out after this on the ticket. Our advice? Just take the over. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Prices down. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB Market Countdown. September corn at 540 and a quarter, down 17 and three quarters. December corn at 542 and three quarters, down 11. September soybeans at 1304 and three quarters, down 54 and a half. And November soybeans at 1303 and a quarter, down 20. September wheat at 708 and three quarters, down nine and three quarters. We December wheat at 723 and a half, down nine. October cotton at 95.61, down 66. December cotton at 94.23, down 61. September rice at 13.16, down 7. November rice at 13.44, down 1.5. Moving on to livestock now, August live cattle at 125, down 175. October live cattle at 128.32, down 80. September feeder cattle at 164.05, down 60. With October feeder cattle at 168.95, up 52.5. October lane hogs at 90.15, down 57.5. December lane hogs. At 8272 and a half down 32 and a half. That's your EAB market countdown, and I'm Scotty Woodson. Have a great day. Red Wolves fans, it's football time in Jonesboro, and we can't wait to see you pack the vault for six home games this fall. Hatcher throws for Perry in the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown, Lincoln Parrot. And the Red Wolves regain the advantage. Reserve your seats today. Visit astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up! 
As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're not playing second fiddle to Memphis and Little Rock anymore. Jonesboro is the car capital of the Mid-South, and Central Ford and Truman is leading the way. And right now, Central Ford has a huge selection of pre-owned F-150s, Explorers, and Lincolns with great financing, low APR, and extended terms. Find a great deal on a pre-owned vehicle now at Central Ford. Central Ford and Truman, home of meter beat pricing. Exit 29, just off I-555, or online at centralfordtruman.com. With approved credit, see dealer for details. Attention, members and guests. Make plans for Live with the Red Wolves Wednesday night from 7 to 8 at Lost Pizza on Southwest Drive. Join head coach Butch Jones along with a special player guest and listen along on 107.9 K-Fine and the EAB Red Wolves Sports Network from Learfield. Plus, audience members can win prizes from textbook brokers. It's all at Lost Pizza Wednesday night at 7 during Live with the Red Wolves presented by the Arkansas Department of Health and sponsored by Angie Gallagher of United Country Scenic Rivers Realty, Crown Limousine, Vision Care Center, Farmers and Merchants Bank, Stanley Woodard Law Firm, and Blue Cross Blue Shield agent woody harrelson timeout's over and we're going to a full court press now let's get back to the setup on the ticket all right welcome back final segment here on a monday setup uh at the start of the program today some news from the SEC came out, and we kind of failed to mention it. But it is interesting because what we've seen a lot in college football so far this year is that the whole rule on COVID is if you are, if you have to, if you can't play a game because of COVID, it's a forfeit. And the other team wins the game, whatever. But what we have i don't think, i don't know that we've seen a rule yet where it is what if both teams can't play because there are covid issues so the sec's can- cancellation policy for covid uh and this is from the report from the sec and from what Brett McMurphy put on twitter uh if a team can't bu- can't play because of covid they will suffer a forfeit loss however if both teams are unable to compete because of covid both teams will suffer forfeit losses interesting so because you know that's going to happen let's just say because we know the auburn program is below the 85 percent threshold and it's rumored they're around 60 percent we know mississippi state is below the 85 percent threshold i don't know what their rumor number is but those are two for sure sec teams that are below that 85 percent threshold so it's going to be interesting if didn't you? Did you say that uh, Ole Miss was at nineties? Ole Miss is at one hundred percent. hundred. They're wow. one of four programs in the S in, in the country that are at one hundred percent. LSU is also at one hundred percent. Wow. So mo- most of your programs are at one hundred or at the eighty five percent threshold or above in the SEC. But two that aren't for sure: Auburn and Mississippi State. So hmm. this is a very interesting rule, and I'm interested to see what kind of ramifications it has as we get later on into the season because i think the sec is the first league to put out a rule that says 
if both teams can't play because of COVID, it's automatically a forfeit loss for both teams. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's a good rule to have because it just eliminates all that. Can you imagine nonsense. though? <laughs> yeah. Like let's let's say we get to this point where Bama and Georgia are in the SEC championship game and oh. both have to forfeit because of COVID. Yeah. What like what? Both are out of the playoff. Like, I didn't even think about like, that. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it that's when it gets kind of dicey. Yeah. Hey, my my advice is just get vaccinated, guys. <laughs> get above that 85% threshold <laughs> you where you have don't to have to test. It. Yeah. Which I think both teams are. I'm just kind of throwing out th- that no, out there yeah. as an example, it's but It's not worth it. It's not. So that uh that's definitely an incentive for those teams below the 85% threshold to get above the 85% mark. Uh, in the SEC. So uh, that coming out a few, about an hour or so uh, ago from the league office. So we'll see the SEC in action this weekend for the first time, but until then we'll have a little bit of baseball to uh, tide us over. It The NL is getting interesting in the wild card race. Uh, all right, so whoever wins the AL West, like they're going to have – an 11, 12, 13 game lead on the second team in the wild card. Uh, whoever finishes second in the NL West, I should say. So if the Giants win the division and the Dodgers are the second place team, they're going to have like a 13, 14, 15 game edge by the time the season's over on the second wild card team. But right now, that second wild card team is not a lock. The Reds are in the second wild card spot at 71 and 61. The Padres at 69 and 62 are a game and a half back. The Cardinals at 66 and 63 are three and a half games back. And the Cardinals begin a series tonight at Great American Ballpark with the Cincinnati Reds. So a chance to, in this three-game series, potentially get to a point where you are the number two team in the wild card. Now, what the Cardinals have going against them is that they play one of the toughest schedules in baseball in the month of September. Uh, So uh, they start a series at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati tonight. This weekend, they're on the road at Milwaukee. Then they play the Dodgers. Then they play the Reds. Then they play the Mets. Then they play the Padres. Then they play the the Brewers again. Then they play the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cubs. So outside of the Cubs, every team you play on your schedule the rest of the year is either in the playoffs or contending for the playoffs. So it uh, it's very interesting, going to be very interesting to see how that NL wild card uh, shakes out. But uh, cards at Reds tonight, uh, you can catch that game over on 95-9. The Wolf first pitch at 540 over on uh, 95-9, the Wolf. Uh did you watch any of the Sunday night game last night? I did not. So I didn't either, but I saw on social media where Drew Brees was making his debut and he had this kind of heartfelt speech to New Orleans, you know, in the broadcast. And I guess he's going to be one of the analysts on Sunday night football or I don't know how they're going to work him into the NBC. But he was on, saw a few clips of him uh, throughout the game. And he's really good. Like, he's not bad. I would expect him to be good. I mean, if Tony Romo was good, I think he'll be good. That's, yeah, like, that's he's, my mentality. he's not he's not bad. Like, I thought he was, for his, really and truly, like, his first game in the booth. Like, it, was, it wasn't it was bad. I thought it was good. Yeah. 
I have I have high expectations for and I love I mean what's not to love about Drew Brees yes just the way he plays the game his attitude I mean having a quarterback analyze games is always just a treat because I mean we saw with Tony Romo RG3 is now an analyst for college like they always just seem to be a step ahead of every play called and they can see the whole field and give you really really good insight honestly um don't get me wrong other positions do as well but i don't know there's just something different about a quarterback analyzing a play versus a running back or a wide receiver yeah well hey if you like quarterbacks analyzing plays uh philip butterfield's going to be on the show on wednesday great uh he'll be he'll be on the shows every wednesday during football season and he'll be on that eab Red Wolf Sports Network broadcast of A-State football uh, Saturday night, 6 o'clock from Centennial Bank Stadium over on 107.9 K5. All right, uh, we have about a minute left in the program before we get out of here, so thought we'd carry over a topic from the Workday Red Zone and bring it on to this show. Actually, we don't have a minute left, so we'll do it real quick. <laughs> Record predictions for A-State football this year. See, this is tough, so... I want you go first, real quick. Eight and four. Optimism. I'm gonna go seven and five. All right, there we go. All right, that does it for us today. The drive with Brad Bobo is next. Front row with Budro from seven to ten tomorrow morning. Red Wolf roll call ten to twelve. Workday red zone from twelve to two. That gets you back to us tomorrow morning. For Andrew, I'm Cade saying so long. Have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>